can't grind through depression. You can't just like tough out your anxiety. You don't have to be in crisis to come in and get support. The reality is your experience is still your experience. And if you're in pain and you're hurting and suffering and your response to that is, it could be worse like that person over there. So you shouldn't feel that way. I promise it's going to be double when it comes up next time, right? Me not attending to this crisis is going to hurt me at some point if I continue to ignore it. Welcome to United Conversations for Student-Athletes, a Holinsky's Hope-powered podcast supporting the mental health of student-athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Nicholson. Throughout our lives, we all go through ups and downs, but we always dread the crisis situation. There can be big things that happen or little things, and it doesn't matter what the situation is. Sometimes it can put us in a state of crisis. It's also tough to be somebody that wants to help in that situation and not know what to do. That's what we're going to be talking about today, how to handle those situations, whether it happens to us or whether it's happening to somebody that we want to support. So I'm excited to have with us today, Dr. Dylan Fiersick. He is the Assistant Athletic Director and Director of Mental Health and Performance at the University of Georgia. As a sports psychologist, he's worked at several different places with elite athletes and, of course, University of Georgia. Those dogs are up there. So he brings in a lot of experience with him. So this is going to be a good conversation with a lot of really helpful takeaways. So let's get going with today's conversation with Dr. Dylan Fiersick. Dylan, welcome to United. Hey, Josie. Super excited to be here with you and be on the podcast. Been really looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to just a conversation because every time we connect, it's fun and uh, hadn't seen you in a minute. It was Definitely. last summer, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but I will see you in a couple of weeks. So that's good. Looking forward to big sky. And um, yeah, I, I feel like we had this scheduled probably five or six times and it continued to get bumped. So yes. to make it happen. I know. And that that's kind of like one of the advantages of scheduling being so hard is that it's way more exciting when it actually drops. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Right. Like that delayed gratification, you know, really builds the suspense for sure. For sure. <laughs> so I, this uh, will not disappoint. I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely will be. It will be worth the wait. For sure. You know, it was hard for me and I don't know about you. It was hard for me to come up with something, you know, a topic that we really wanted to delve into because there's so much we could go into. Sure. Because you have so much experience and, and you're in such a great place there at Georgia and everything like that. So I'm glad that we landed where we did, because I think that it is not only important, but timely. Yeah, no, it, it for sure. For sure. And I was thinking about just this last semester, our fall semester, you know, our, our, our volume in terms of athletes coming in and meeting with our clinicians was very high. And we were able to meet that demand. And all of that is, is very typical of any mental health clinicians kind of working in this space. But in particular, were these like kind of crisis cases that we had. And again, crises are, are a normal thing. Like they happen. All of us are kind of ready and prepared to take them on. But sometimes crisis really like becomes, you know, significant enough that it impacts the athlete's life in a lot of different ways and kind of needs to be accommodated in a, in a very specialized way. And we had quite a few of those over this last fall. And so just, you know, in talks with 
you know, my staff and our administration, et cetera. It was something that had been on my mind quite a bit. And so it felt like, you know, that's something that we just moved through over the last semester and, and probably be a good idea to, to talk a little bit about. Yeah, for sure. Well, and because we don't really give a lot of thought to, well, what would I do? And then when we kind of write procedure, there's no way to write a procedure for a crisis because it's not something you anticipate, right? And then you can kind of make generalities like under this broad umbrella definition happens, here's kind of some of the things you can do. And you can read through that, but all that kind of goes out the window. But you know, making the distinction between a mental health emergency and a mental health crisis, both need to be attended to. The emergency is like life and death. Somebody is going to end their life or in the life of somebody else or that sort of thing. But then crises really, I think it's hard to define, okay, this would be a crisis. This would be a crisis because it's really down to the person because what might be something that doesn't reach that level for person A may reach that level right. very quickly for person B. Yeah. And and to that point, right, the way that the maybe team or staff or coach or whoever that that athlete is most connected with and their interpretation of a crisis, if indeed, you know, some of those other folks are being impacted by whatever's going on. And that can certainly amplify whatever the situation is. And, and the way that the narrative that we're given of you know, this needs to be handled and, and fixed like yesterday. And you're like, okay, hold on. This is actually a very like normal development, something we see a lot or actually coach, no, this is very significant. Like we need to move and move quite quickly to, to kind of help make sure somebody's safe. Exactly. And let me, let me just say this for coaches in particular, in my experience, I mean, it's getting to a point where coaches are much more like the mental health literacy. Yeah. Their awareness of it, their attentiveness to it. I mean, frankly, conversations, right? Like, I don't think we're convincing any of our coaches anymore that they need to be thinking about mental health. Now we might be trying to help them address it in the best way, but I think it's on that like collective consciousness much more. For sure. And so now much less than when I first started, you know, Mm -hmm. over 10 years ago, a coach would be like, we have a crisis. This is an emergency. And it's like, okay, what's happening? It's like, well, so-and-so is crying. In the locker room. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, this is actually normal part of uh, human experience. Yeah. Maybe yeah, not yeah. your experience, but that whole like discomfort with emotions and stuff like that, I think is fading. Like you said, like there's much more awareness around it, but a crisis situation doesn't just affect the person going through it. It has like a, a ripple effect. It impacts this immediate circle and then the circle around and then trickles to the whole sometimes community but definitely the university so it's not something just by the nature of the word crisis we never think it's going to happen to us but and so when it does it kind of knocks us off our feet a little bit most definitely and you know the point you were just making is is one that i think about a lot and that really was the thing that made me think about for our conversation today is that so often right our athletes and, and the athlete mentality, like one of the things that makes them great, makes them elite. And I tell them this all the time. Like if you were an elite, you wouldn't even be in my office right now because you, you wouldn't be in this program, right? right? You're you're elite and you've gotten very good at, whether you re- realize it or not, enduring hardship, enduring yes. difficulty, taking losses, getting harsh feedback, not making a team, you know, whatever it is and grinding. You figure it out, you endure 
physical pain, emotional pain. You take that feedback, you learn from that failure and you get better. And honestly, you probably did that quite quickly to be as good as you are. Right. And it's like the parallel breaks down when we think about mental health, because so often you can't grind through depression. You can't just like tough out your anxiety and without any kind of like supporter. And for some of our athletes direction, that that's their default. It makes total sense. And, And this is one of those cliches, but you don't have to be in crisis to come in and get support and really like if we can help them realize and, and, and check in with themselves when they are struggling, maybe we can prevent the crisis entirely. But if they do come in in that crisis moment, so often it's like helping the athletes understand we can help you tremendously right now in this in this individual like therapeutic setting that we're in. But you live and operate in a system and that system is composed of coaches and trainers and administrators and academic advisors. And if you're really struggling, chances are all those different folks are going to like see things, get impacted by things, whatever. And if we can't figure out a way to kind of help them understand what's going on so that they can support you. And for me, this is like the tragic kind of part of the cycle is that if they don't know what's going on and they don't have any bits of information, they may interpret that like totally in a different. negative, right? Like this yeah. person doesn't care. They're checked out. They're not as good as we thought. And it's like, no, no, these are mental health signs of distress. But if if nobody knows, then we can't leverage the system to support. And so that's sometimes the conundrum that I think is so important for our athletes to understand is like, let's figure out how much, right? Now that's the thing. Yeah. Folks aren't getting to know everything, but how much do we want them to know so that they can actually better help and support you and give you that wraparound care as opposed to like, you know, make assumptions about why or how you're struggling. Yeah. When our brain doesn't have information, it fills it in. And that's a lot of times where difficulties in relationships happen is when that, that gap is empty and we fill it, you know, with assumption, with just trying to make sense of things that you really can't make sense of. But there's two parts of what you were saying that I want to talk about. So and this was very public, so I'm not disclosing anything that wasn't. So on LinkedIn, there was an article about the mental health response of Buffalo Bills to the situation with Demar Hamlin, which was traumatic for everybody involved. And you and I both know Desiree. She is their main clinician and she is amazing. And I reposted the article and I was like, this is a really great example of why it is so important to have these relationships established and the yeah, person yeah. kind of be a known entity before anything happens. And so I always, when I introduce myself to teams, I am certain that you do the same thing. You're like, just, you know, when I'm around, just say, Hey, like get to know me a little bit, like tell me who you are. And, and you know, and those little touch points so that if something happens, you're not, also introducing an awkward exchange with a stranger, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and honestly, that's one of the best parts about being fully integrated in or embedded in or whatever the, the situation is, but present in, you know, an athletic department where you, you can be at practice, you can be at training. You, I mean, you can be in the facility and like, I, I love that you brought that up because sometimes to maybe folks that are unfamiliar with sports psychologists, mental health, clinicians like what is that person doing there in that moment right like like is that a is that the best utilization of time like is that a prioritized person to travel on that trip or to be in that space and and really it's like well go ask the coaches and the athletes about that after that person has been integrated in that system because Mm -hmm. without a doubt the answer is going to be yes for sure because if, if from the coach my athletes weren't 
com- comfortable and familiar with that person, there's no way, right? There's no way right. they're going to come in and talk. And one of my favorite things in, in this job, and, and, I, and I know you've experienced this too, is when an athlete, either right there on the side of the field or when they when they come into me, says something you know to the equivalent of, I would have never done this before, but because you are here, because I know who you are, because you're part of our team, I, I'd really love to come in and talk about something. And it's just like, yes, that is the whole point. 100%. Yes. And it's funny because so, you know, I travel with football and I go to the team meals and I just sit with people that I don't know. And it's so funny because there's sometimes when I sit down, people don't generally like particularly football have a lot of experience with mental health clinicians, you know, and, and therapists and the shrink comes in and sits down and, and, <laughs> and I can tell the ones that are kind of like, what is she doing? I am not saying anything because I do not want to be analyzed. And so it's kind of like, listen, I'm just, first of all, I do not get paid enough to sit at dinner and analyze people. You know, like in this moment, I'm kind of off the clock. I just want to be a person, you know? And, And so one thing that I've found really, really connecting is so many of our athletes like dogs and I'm a big dog person. So I ask them about their pets, you know, and that's a nice little entryway, which is why we should all have therapy dogs. But anyway, that's a whole nother podcast, but you know, just getting to know them, and then it's so much more comfortable if, and God forbid something were to happen. But the other piece of, so I guess the, the takeaway there is like, just say, Hey, say, Hey to Dylan, say, Hey, do you like dogs? Like whatever. And it it can be, you never know, you never know. But the other piece of what I wanted to touch on was that importance of letting people know what's going on. And that is like you, like you said, it's dicey. But one thing I've found is that athletes in particular are, and, and I'm the same way, like, I feel like I need to justify why I feel the way I feel. You know, and and to be honest, sometimes coaches are like, well, I don't think that's bad enough to mispractice for. And it's like, so if you focus on like, well, this is what happened in my life. Let's say I had a car wreck. Now that could be very traumatic. Other people, they have a car wreck and they're like, dang it. Now I got to get a new car. Like, right, right. And so saying, well, I was in a car wreck. That is up for interpretation in terms of. But if you say. Hey, I'm really struggling. I haven't been sleeping well. I've kind of been replay. I'm working with the clinician because I'm, you know, replaying this and I want to get to the other side and a more comfortable place. That is a different message. Right. Right. And I think that to the point you just made, right, we are, we're so often working with the athlete just at the, in the very initial stage of like embracing what they may be experiencing acknowledging it, not even feeling like you have to sort of justify, but like, let's, let's just look at it, figure it out and and try to make sense of it. And, and oftentimes that's one of the first things we're sort of doing. Right. But like when we find that someone is in some state of crisis where, yeah, maybe they are going to need to mispractice. Right. Or, I mean, maybe they're going to need to take some time away. Maybe it's even a severe enough crisis where we're thinking like some kind of higher level of care is needed, but across that spectrum, so, so often they are already just learning to overcome their own stigma about it for themselves, right. About what it means that I'm struggling with this. And maybe I'm struggling to an extent that I need to take some time away, even like for the day, for the week, whatever it may be. And on top of that, it's like, wait, you want me to talk to who about that, you know, and like, just to make clear, right, like what we're talking about here, 
everything we do is like confidentiality is first and foremost. So this is Absolutely. always being done in collaboration with the athlete. But I, I have and it's always the athlete's choice. Hundred percent, right? Hundred percent. But it's like helping the athlete understand. You know, we can leverage this system that you're a part of. That so often feels it does often feel like they're just like constantly being like pressured on by all of the different things that they have to do. And it's like we can actually leverage this. And I think our roles as sports psychologists can really facilitate this system to fully envelop you, support you, help you, but they won't be able to if they don't know a little bit. So like, what do you think? Let's, let's work through what we talk about and and how much we let people in, because if we let them in a little bit, I I think they're going to want to help, you know, but if they don't know, and that's that ambiguity, like you were talking about, they fill it with all these assumptions that something's wrong with them. They're not committed, you know, and the worst of all is that it reinforces that belief that I'm weak or I'm bad, or I'm like messing up because I'm struggling with mental health. And, and that's really the thing that can just amplify that crisis instead of get all those folks on a support side, really. Yeah. So for, for example, you know, an athlete, let's say is having a, a a really difficult time with the anniversary of a big loss, You know, like a loss of a family member um, to death or something like that. And like, I know that day the practice is going to be really tough Mm -hmm. for me. And and so, you know, talking through like, okay, do you want to a tough it out? you know, go through practice and just know it ain't going to be your best and see what you got. And if you break down, you break down or whatever. B, do you want to go to your coach and say, I am all in on practice. And for that, I know that this day I cannot be all in on practice. I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to be an energy vampire. I don't want to, you know, lower the level of the intensity at practice. And what would you think asking the coach like uh, to have a day off? It's actually, and I know there are athletes that are like, is that a thing? Is that a thing? It's a thing. Or just say, you know, would you rather me be at practice knowing that that's, I'm going to do my best, but I've got like, I can give a hundred percent of the 50% I have that day. Or would it be better for me to take a step away and take care of this and come back when I'm a hundred percent. And that, and I, I think actually coaches would respect the heck out of that. Yes. Yes. Well, as you were descri- describing that, the thought I was having was think about the the rapport that you build and, and yes, hopefully empathy that you kind of, you know, garner, but more importantly, like that is connection. Like that is yeah. vulnerability so often. And I think especially right with, with this generation of athletes that, that we are all working with and that will continue to, to come in. Our athletes today are not going to do the old school. Like you just do it because I told you and, and, and don't ask any questions, right? Like that's, right. That is not, that is a thing of the past. Our athletes will do, will go to great lengths to meet and surpass the ask from their coaches. But I promise you, they're not going to do it if they don't feel like that is someone who cares about them. That's someone who knows them. That's someone that they have a connection with. And vulnerability, you know, I I talk about this with athletes all the time. It's like, how did you, how did you get that best friend? I mean, it's probably Mm -hmm. someone you knew for a long time, right? But you probably went through something and you, probably shared it with them. And then they went through something and shared it with you, or maybe you went through something together and you talked about it, but either way, you allowed yourself to be vulnerable in a moment and receive probably support from them. And that made that relationship deeper. Now I get it. Like your coach isn't going to be your best friend, most likely, but that sharing is a step in that, right? Like I'm owning what I'm going through. I'm trying to share with you coach. 
and that gives the coach a space to to um, support and, and and encourage that athlete. And ultimately, we get through a tough moment, and maybe we're even closer because of it. I mean, that's a win win all the way around. For sure. Well, and here's something that is probably shocking to some coaches are human. And so they're doing their job. And when you say something like, you know, oh, I just ain't feeling it today, coach, there's very little connection there. But when you say, hey, I'm really struggling here and it's it's a grief thing. I I don't want to get into details, but, you know, I, I just needed to tell you that it is chances are like most coaches, if we do math, not my strong suit, but I'll do it anyway, like are at least twice as old as the athlete they've had twice the life experience (laughs) it is likely that they understand and and have had some experience with grief if we're using that as an example and so there is a connection not feeling it they're not going to connect to that struggling with grief they can probably pull up and here's the thing, if a coach is not receptive, well, now you know, and it's not about you. That's right. about the coach, you know, and you can survive that. But that's well, going to be rare. For sure it is. And, and, and a lot of times, even still, right, I think we can really help support in that in that capacity too, right? Because like, like what you were saying earlier, if we are if we are integrated within our teams, we as the as the sports psychologists are already having conversations, relationships nothing to do with that athlete, but just in general, we're often consulting with the coach, we're often helping them work through whatever. So a situation like that comes up and then, you know, maybe on the, you know, coach comes to us and lets us know, Hey, so-and-so just let me know about this. What should we do? And then we're actually helping consult on that side too. I just, the potential to help the entire system better understand what mental health is, how it shows up, what things look like and and really. And how to respond. Yes. Yes. Totally. Totally. Uh, Coach like, in fact, you know, him coming to you and having that conversation was was actually a really big reach out. I think this is the, the inside of strength. Yeah. Like that takes courage and you want that kind of courage on the field. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think that one of the things I wanted to touch on with a crisis situation mm-hmm. is sitting here right now, for example, neither of us are in crisis, I hope. If you are, we can, you know, pause and talk, but I'm not. But when I think about, and this often happens when we know somebody that's going through a crisis, we think about ourselves in that situation is like, man, I don't, I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't. And I hear this from athletes a lot. I, I wouldn't be able to make it through that. Mm -hmm. And, and we kind of think that would be like, we think worst case scenario, like I don't have what it takes to make it through that. and. That has yet to be the case. You have who like everybody that I know right now has a hundred percent success rate in getting through things. Yeah. And so we have more resilience than we could ever imagine ourselves to have. And so when these things happen, it it can be overwhelming and it can be, but it will we will get through it. Yeah, it's like that whole thing about comparing comparing hardships and and, and using that to like self invalidate, right? Like, right. I shouldn't be so upset about this because this person went through that, or like somebody else in another part of the world has it so much worse than I do. Like, I have no you know right to be this upset, or oh my gosh, look what they're going through in that crisis. I would never be able to do that. And I just <laughs> we could talk 
for hours about, you know, early childhood stuff and invalidation oh, yeah. of emotion and where all that comes from. But the reality is your experience is still your experience. And if you're in pain and you're hurting and suffering and your response to that is it could be worse like that person over there. So you shouldn't feel that way. It's like, man, does that only go to further amplify that pain and probably push it down and push it back enough that maybe you'll forget about it this time, but I promise it's going to be double when it comes up next time. Right. And like, yeah. it, and, and, and unfortunately that is sometimes the thing that builds to the crisis that we were just talking about. Right. And I just, I feel so bad for folks when, when I hear them say that and, and, and you know, I'll often directly challenge that and, and process through that statement. Cause it's like, maybe their crisis is on, on, somehow bigger than yours, but this is your life. This is yeah. your experience. And this is taking a toll on you right now. And if we don't address it, like, I love I love what I'm talking to, to a team and I go, and remind me again, what happens when we ignore our problems? Everyone's just like, yeah. they get worse. And you're like, yeah, we we know, we know. So like, yeah. why do that to yourself in this, in this moment and, and make that comparison? Exactly. So, okay, here's a funny little analogy. And, and I bring up my kids a lot, but it's, you know, pretty much my life. And I know you're a new father and new ish. <laughs> Every day still feels pretty new. <laughs> I don't know that that ever goes away because there are times I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, I've got kids. Right. right. Who, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but yeah, so I have two. And so if one of them is, you know, I talk about the toddler that's like, mommy, 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 and it, and I ignore him because I've mm -hmm. got boys that they're not going to stop. They're up the, uh, they're up in the ante yeah. and they will yeah. get creative and they are going to disrupt whatever I'm doing until I respond. And usually it's like, look at this cool rock, you know, or something. <laughs> yeah. But if I sat there and I heard one of my kids like, mommy, mommy, and I thought, you know, I don't need to attend to that. Some people have four kids, you know, like it could be worse. It could be four kids saying yeah. that because sometimes the the two team up and they say at the same time. So <laughs> that may be true. That may be true that there are people that have four kids that are saying mommy at the same time. And yet mine are mm -hmm. saying mommy now and I need to attend to that. 100%. Does it go away because other people have more problems? Yeah you know? Yeah. No, I, I love that analogy. I, I love it. Cause, cause right. Like, and, and my kids still need me. And if I continue ignoring them, like something bad is still going to happen. Like right. is someone else dealing with more kids. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that me not attending to this, you know, crisis is going to hurt me or them. Right. In the analogy at some point, if I continue to ignore it. No, I, I love that. I'm, to be honest, I'm probably going to use that next time. <laughs> you can't like look at your baby and be like, some people have twins. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> like, you know it just doesn't work that way no for and, sure for sure yeah and it's yours like I think that we our resilience is so much deeper and broader than we could ever imagine and whatever we think we won't make it through we can and you know we can do even doubly with support well and, and the other thing it reminded me of just now is and I was just talking to one of our coaches about this yesterday and this is it's it's that idea that how much our minds gravitate towards and hold on to any sort of negative feedback disappointment failure self-criticism and anything that we've done well so often right just gets completely bypassed and, and ignored and 
and, and you know, I was talking to coach, it's a classic, like three to one, four to one, five to one, you know, encouragement, yeah. reinforcement to that criticism. The coach is just like, Oh my gosh. And you know, like, but yeah, like that's, that's how we're wired. And, and to your point of, I think that's part of the issue with recognizing the, the resiliency, right. Is like, I went through this terrible thing and I made it through, but I never want to think about it again. And I just want to move on. And it's, I, I get it, but there's so much there to be had in terms of your belief in yourself, your self-confidence, your self-worth, but more than anything else, your belief that I can do hard things. I can get over yeah. hard things. Shit's going to hit the fan. And I know this is what I can do because I've done it before and I'll be able to do it again. And like that grit, that resiliency, that is so important. And mm-hmm. I think unfortunately our athletes, they just skim right over it. You know, they don't give themselves the recognition for when they've done it. Which is amazing because to your point that you made earlier, they have been training for this their whole life, whatever the crisis is. Like they have been training for the loss. They have been training for the difficult moments. They've been training for the adversity, you know, getting over the adversity. Like it's, it's there in their makeup. And I, I think that, you know, when we think about different scenarios, it is difficult to think, oh, that could happen to me. And we never know how we're going to respond. You know, we look at different people's situations and we're like, oh, well, I would would have done like you have no idea. And I think it's so important to reach out during those times uh, because it just provides a sense of grounding. Like when you're in it in a vacuum, it can sometimes seem impossible, you know, but when you ground with somebody else that maybe isn't going through the same thing, it can remind you like, okay. There's a bigger, you know, and, and that person can say, this is really, really hard. I know that you will make it through it. And it's really hard right now. Totally. You know, and that you can do that with your, your close friend, your, your family member, your teammate, but, but honestly, like that messaging pre-crisis, you know, before mm-hmm. they're in that place in terms of coming to therapy and because, because that I would love it if I could look at my athletes and be like, yeah, you know, it is this like special power that I have where I just snap my fingers and people are fixed. Right. And it's like, oh yeah, that's not what we do. Yeah. That's like, this space, this processing. I know we might not solve the problem today in this hour, but I guarantee we're, we, we can look at it from a different perspective. We can utilize some techniques to, to ground you, to help process it and to, if nothing else, all of that rumination, all of those that jumbled, maybe like thoughts and worries and fears that are going on in your mind, we, we can lay them out on the metaphorical table, look at them, categorize them, figure them out and, and create a plan. And like that piece is so helpful. And I, and I love that theoretically, because at the end of the day, you're, you're empowering the athlete, right? It all goes back to building your resiliency, building your uh, self-awareness and insight so that you walk out here better equipped. And, and then, you know, and then sometimes I'll make the joke to to some of them of like, and the irony about that is I would actually not be helping you as much if I was able to snap my fingers and solve it, right? Because then right. you leave dependent on me, not more dependent on you. And, yeah. and like, and ultimately like that's, that's where we're trying to get. So I just, yeah, helping them see what they do well and translate it from what they've already accomplished in sport into these other parts of their life. I I just think it's so important. Oh man. Absolutely. I think so when somebody, an athlete or, you know, just human is having a human moment and, you know, it's a crisis and I don't cry. Like people get to define for themselves what a crisis is. Like, I'm not going to say this is what it looks like, but it's, 
you know, whether it's panic or, you know, over, it, it feels overwhelming, whatever it is, then you get to decide that. I think one of the things that, and maybe it's humans, but particularly athletes do in that moment is they lay out all of what will happen. There's a fundamental false belief. I cannot stop. I cannot take a break. I cannot miss practice. I cannot not be focused here and there. I can't. And that feels like such a trap and adds to the overwhelm because it's like, well, now I don't have any choices. And if I take a break, I'm going to be kicked off the team or I'll lose my spot or, or coaches will lose respect. For it. Like we jump to all these future things and, and it's the body it's the body and the brain's attempt at survival to try totally. to, you know, yep. keep everything copacetic and if there's one thing that an athlete can do for themselves when these moments hit is to take a, take a breath and come back and say, you know what? I don't know. I'm going to be here and that stuff we'll figure out. And that's where, you know, having a relationship with a clinician, but also just friends. If, if athletes are helping a friend through something can be like, look, we're, we're going to deal with practice later. Yep. Like, yep. let's go see the athletic trainer and see if we can take a break for today, you know, and we'll figure all that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's that it's the it's the mentality, right? That if I if I don't go to practice today, if I don't train today, if I don't somehow like have this outcome, you know, that I'm supposed to meet today, then I failed and I'm weak and I'm wrong and I'm bad. And like none of that leaves space for like, what about? about you and 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 taking care of you right and and i mean we 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 talk about this in so many different ways we talk about it like the importance of of rest just in general right and and Mm -hmm. and and, and, you know that that like active recovery or or trying to trying to reframe the importance of an off day so that your mind can also in addition to your body like recover but but it's all from that same thing if i'm not working today i'm either getting better i'm getting worse so i'm not working i'm getting worse and so i can't take the time for my mental health day, for my anxiety, for my grief and loss, whatever it may be, because that innately means I'm getting worse and I'm and I'm I'm somehow wrong in that. And that that narrative is just so important. And I think I think like you were saying earlier, like the 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 stigma around mental health looks so different now than it did even you know five, five years ago. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the the and I I, I talk to coaches and athletes about this all the time. Like the professional and world class athletes who have unashamedly talked about their mental health, talked about the need for their own time away from their sport to support themselves. Massive for this, right? Because you're like, oh, wow, that person did it. Then like, maybe it doesn't mean I'm weak. But Mm -hmm. I I just, the thought that came to mind as you were just talking about that is buddy of mine called me last week. His son is, I think maybe six or seven years old. So my my buddy was a soccer player. We we actually played soccer together in college. He was was much better than I was. So his son is going to probably be very good at soccer but at like six years old in his first AYSO season he's like running circles around these kids scoring all these goals you know it's like hey buddy can you like sub your kid out like other people would like to score some goals right and so of course my my friend goes all right well there's this youth like club league that's with this other team better coaching you know better players we're gonna put him in in, in that and see you know so we can really get better and it was the first time the kid had had been around other kids that were were a little bit better and he's just like like struggling, you're like crying in practice, like I can't do it, whatever. And and my buddy calls me, and he's just like, 
I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to say to him. And I go, look, the most important message, especially right now, has nothing to do with outcome. I don't like don't it, it doesn't matter whether he scored the goal or completed the drill or got the you know got the technique down perfectly. The most important reinforcement point is, man, you you persisted. Look how hard you worked, look how you stuck with it. That was really hard to do. And I'm so proud of you for for continuing to work at it right. It's okay if if, if the if the outcome isn't perfect. It's right. it's what and and that messaging, right? When it comes to overcoming adversity, struggling with difficulty, like it's not about perfection. It's not about being that that ideal version of yourself every single day. What it's about is continuing to work through whatever the adversity is. And I think that messaging can just like be so significant later on. Powerful. Even right? Like, yeah. yeah, so powerful. Like, that messaging actually normalizes far more like, okay, I need to work on myself if I need to, because that's actually what enables me to continue to to persist and overcome whatever the crisis that may come up in my life. Right. Yeah. We can start that early. We can start really early and, and, and kind of reinforce that throughout the athlete life cycle. A hundred percent. And, you know, I, I think that it comes down to, to two things that are related. The first I forgot, but the second <laughs> is that athletes, especially at this level, our level has, they bought into this lie that it's not nothing is a choice like I don't have a choice I gotta go to practice I gotta go to weights and so that strips away any power and so they disempower themselves with I don't have a choice I have to do all these things and when you see it as a choice it you can say man I did not feel like going to the gym this morning which may or may not have been me a couple Mm -hmm. hours ago but I made the choice and I did it and that feels good and that reinforces the sense that I can do tough things also that I don't have to always have the most amazing outcomes. Right. right. And so, but when it's not our choice, then we don't, we don't have any power. We don't have any success in that. It's just something that we did. So in those crisis situations, it's like, I don't have a choice. And, And so now I'm trapped because I do need this day off, but I'm not gonna get it because it's not my choice. And that's just not true. The other piece that I actually did remember is that you would get in trouble if you sprained your ankle, did not tell the athletic trainer and went and trained on it and made it worse. Right. So how is it different? You know, if you're going to be in a worse place because you muddled through and limped along with this grief or this just mental, whatever the crisis is, you would get you should get in trouble by by not saying I need to take care of this and so that I can be put a better product out on the field. Totally, totally agree. In fact, I I I try to make that parallel to physical injury as much as possible. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes it, it, it doesn't quite apply, but most of the right. time you make a parallel and, and it helps the athlete understand better. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it helps the athletic trainer or the administrator or or whoever, right? That maybe is not as familiar with the mental health, but they get, you know, physical health and injury. Because they would be upset with you for not coming in and getting treatment. They'd be upset with you for not pulling yourself out and somehow making it worse. And yet we think that doing that when it's our mental health, right, is like somehow this like badge of honor that we should just like bear down and and overcome, despite the fact that we're hurting ourselves all along the way by not by not taking care of it. Right. Yeah. And and, and the other just to extend the metaphor for what you're saying, 
even that like preventative piece, right? Like how often now are you hearing athletic trainers talk to your athletes about like, are you doing your prehab? Are you doing your stretching? Are you rolling out? Are you doing all the things that we know prevents the injury? And we can carry that metaphor on too with, from a mental health side, right? That like, yes. if, if, if you're talking about things proactively, that whole idea that you don't have to be in crisis, you don't have to be struggling to come in and, and, and talk and, and process and, and get better or better prepared. Get right? mentally fit. That's right. That's right. The analogy I love to give, and I did this on a recruiting, one of our recruiting visits, I think maybe for, I don't know, I can't remember which team it was, but like, you know, I, I showed them like the differences in scores and I like the national championship in their sport in, in the last season. And I'm like, if you look at that, how close that is physically, all of those athletes, right. <laughs> in all of those teams, like this is the, this is the top five in the country. This is the, like elite of the elite, right. Physically, you all are so incredibly close. What really makes the difference here? And I know we're starting to get a little bit on the performance side, but it's just to me, that's the same idea, right? That yes. Like, your mentality, you're taking care of yourself mentally makes you better, happier, you know, in general, right? But it mm -hmm. also prepares you for these difficult moments that we know are coming. Yeah. Like, best case scenario, you meet all the goals, athletic goals that you want to this year. By definition, that means you're going to be needing to perform on a big stage with a lot of expectation and pressure. Like literally, if you get yeah. to that national championship or whatever it is. So it's like we know the tough moments are coming. Yeah. How do we reframe this so that that mental health work is all in preparation, not just when you're injured, not just when that crisis occurs. This is all in helping you live and perform at your very best because let's face it, this is a high stress environment. Like you do mm -hmm. have a lot of pressure on yourself. Like let's yes. prepare for it. Yeah. Don't live at that edge where I'm doing everything and, and I can take it. Work on your mental fitness so that you're, you have room for anything that happens. You have room to navigate it. So yeah. that's a really, really great message. Dylan, this has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I was just thinking as you were talking there about, man, we, we touched on a lot of different stuff. It's, it's yeah. crazy how, where, where it all goes from starting with crisis, talking about overall like stigma, communicating with coaches, general well-being and mental health. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it was also all the things we got to cover. Well, and what's cool is that we could break it down and do a separate podcast on every single one of those yep. things and it would no be so useful. So this has been, this has been super useful though, for sure. Happy that you had me. Um, yeah, yeah. Really, really excited. Well, then we got to do it again. Definitely. Definitely. Excellent. All right. Well, I will see you in a couple of weeks. Take care yeah. till then. Looking forward to the conference. Definitely. Good luck with all of your uh, final details and logistics and in, in Thank the planning you. side of it. Yeah, for sure. And take care. Cool. Cool. Awesome. I'll see you later. Again, a huge thank you to Dr. Dylan Fiersick, as well as our producer, Graham Doty, and our editor, Chelsea Battle. If you're struggling at this time, reach out to family, friends, or a licensed mental health professional in your area. Also, we want to hear from you about topics that you want to hear about. So please reach out to us at info at Let us know what would be helpful for you or your fellow athletes to hear about. Share this podcast with anyone you believe would be helped by it. Subscribe to it, rate it, and review it. That helps other athletes find the podcast. If you would like to know more about Holinsky's Hope, including how to donate to help with all that they're doing to support student-athlete mental health and reduce the stigma that surrounds mental illness, visit www.holinskyshope.org. Please take care of yourself. Please take care of others. And always have hope. <laughs>